You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.vin. Well, good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be with you. It's great to see some familiar faces and some uh, unfamiliar faces, and you're both equally really, really welcome. Uh, I'm Taryn. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, yeah, it's, it's great to see you. If you're watching on live stream this morning, a big welcome to you as well. Um, so today we are going to be looking at the subject of money, and this isn't something that we as a church would often do. Uh, Just in case you're visiting for the first time or you're watching online for the first time and you think, oh, all they're going to do is talk about money. No, that is not the case at all. Um, I'm going to share some personal uh, convictions that Chuck and I share, um, giving you some insights into why we personally invest into the kingdom of God. Now, I guess in speaking personally, I can run the risk of being perceived as, look at Chuck and I, aren't we wonderful? Let's just pop that bubble right now. We are absolutely not. And we are just seeking to respond faithfully to the Lord's calling. And it's worth noting that there'll be those amongst you today who are far more generous than than we are, giving out of far smaller resources. So if you have your Bibles with you today, we are in 2 Corinthians Uh, Chapter 8, we're going to read verses 1 to 7. It's going to come up on the screen, and I'm going to read it to us. So, here we go. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Amen. Amen. So I want to speak honestly and personally this morning. And what inspired me to speak in this way is that I've listened many times to John and Debbie Wright, who are the Vineyard National Directors for UK and Ireland, and who Chuck and I admire very much. And I've heard them speaking passionately and honestly about this subject. And every time it has challenged me, and it's encouraged me um, as I hear what they've modelled And so um, much of what I'm going to say today is either inspired by them or borrowed from them. And I would like to give them credit for that. So my hope is that whether you are already a generous 
giver or you are new to this subject, that there will be something that I say today that hopefully will be inspiring to you. Now, some of you are probably already thinking, well, she's only speaking on money because she wants the church's income to go up. Now, while that isn't the only reason, I can be quite honest with you, it is one of the reasons why we're speaking on this today. Just as many of you have and are considering the impact of the increase in the cost of living, energy prices, inflation, etc., and the impact that that has on your own circumstances, the reality is that households aren't the only ones that are affected by this. We too as a church have done and are doing all that we can to steward well the money that we receive and to make cost savings wherever we can. But the truth is right now, our costs are greater than our income. And we do need to see the regular monthly income of the church increase so that we can carry on doing what we're doing. So part of my reason on teaching on this subject today is that usually when we do, people respond, either by starting to give for the first time or by increasing their giving. Let me just be clear for a moment. For those of you who are in the room and who are watching online who aren't followers of Jesus, we are absolutely thrilled that you are here. And I hope that you will find something interesting in what I'm going to share today. But can I just be really clear with you? We're not after your money. <laughs> we don't want your money. We have absolutely no expectations on you at all. But hopefully this talk will explain something of why we as believers freely choose to give financially to the work of the church. There is also another reason why I'm speaking on this subject today about generosity. It's because it is a passion of mine and Chuck's. And we believe it's absolutely key to any, to any um, follower of, of Jesus, to a committed follower of Jesus, it is key. So I'm going to give you this morning six reasons why we personally give. So number one. It's an opportunity to worship God. God is worthy of our praise. He is absolutely awesome. And we give in response to everything that he has given us. Every breath, every heartbeat, and ultimately um, giving his life on the cross for us. His grace lavished upon us. And our response to that grace is to freely give. So when Paul writes to the Corinthians in our passage today, he's writing to them about money, about giving being this act of grace. And his invitation to the church is to excel at being extravagantly generous. I have been on the receiving end of God's extravagant grace. Many times in my life, I have made decisions that I am not proud of. I have turned my back on the Lord. I have hardened my heart to him. I have built up walls and barriers against him. And every time, he has showed me amazing, extravagant grace. So for me, it's not enough to express my love in songs of worship to the Lord, but it has to cost me something as well. True worship 
involves sacrifice. James, who is the site pastor here, in summer last year, he went out to India and he went out to encourage a whole bunch of Indian uh, vineyard pastors. And there James met a pastor called Dishan. And uh, Dishan planted candy vineyards about 10 years ago. And one day Dishan was out doing outreach work and some monks incited a mob against him. And he was attacked with machetes. And he has the scars all over his wrists and arms and face. And Dishan, he was nearly killed. This is a pastor who was sacrificed so much to worship Jesus. And here we see in the photo, here he is baptizing a 92-year-old lady who has recently come to faith. Many Christians like Dishan around the world are having to make huge sacrifices in order to worship Jesus. And I don't want to be, and I don't want us as a church to be like lukewarm Christians. We can choose devotion through our giving. We can give to our God who has given us everything on the cross. And at times, our giving has meant that things have felt a bit uncomfortable. It has meant watching every penny. It has meant purely just buying Tesco own brand food. It has meant secondhand clothes and toys way before it was the cool and the right and the trendy thing to do. In Mark's gospel in chapter 14, we see a woman who breaks um, an alabaster jar of perfume all over the feet of Jesus. And the onlookers, they're disgusted. They're disgusted by it. Not only might this have been her life savings, but it was also in, an investment in the future for her. And they saw it as a terrible waste. But Jesus said, she has done a beautiful thing. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus saw worship. So we give because it's an opportunity to worship God. Secondly, we give because it's an opportunity to experience joy. I love what it feels like to give. And we see in our passage today, we see the Christians in the Macedonian churches experience what the Apostle Paul called the overflowing joy as they gave. And I know also as a church, we have known this joy when together we have come forward and there have been the big baskets and, and we've given to something big that almost seems impossible. And all of us coming together and putting our money and our tithes and our pledges into the baskets. And even sometimes we see the kids coming with their pocket money and putting their money into the baskets. What a rush of joy that brings to us. As the family of God, achieving way beyond what we thought was financially possible. We've also known what it's like to be on the receiving end of giving. So Chuck and I and Hazel Hall, who's part of the North Site, alongside another couple, we um, used to run a Christian festival um, called Imagine. And it was run in Inverurie at the Thainston Centre. And Imagine ran for nine years. And every year, there was always a deficit <laughs> between what had come in and then the bills that we needed to pay. And every time we would see the provision and the faithfulness of the Lord meeting us in that deficit. 
And I remember one particular year that the deficit was a very, very big deficit. And what it meant was that our house and this other couple's house was on the line because we had no other means of paying the bills. And we were handed a blank signed check and we were told to wait for every single bill to come in before we filled out the number and we cashed in the check. So I feel joy because I understand the impact of giving. And here in this church, it's so brilliant, isn't it? We get to see the impact of our giving on members of this church, on the poor, on the vulnerable, on people in our city, and people in the shire. And it feels really good to give. It's actually empowering to give, even when we can only just give a little bit. I know that Chuck has spoken in the past about what does it mean to, to give when we go without something? For example, what if we decided we would go without one purchase coffee a week? Let's say that coffee costs three pounds. That's 156 pounds a year that you would be giving. That 156 pounds would pay for all the meals for one entire alpha course. Imagine seekers coming in every week and getting a wonderful experience, being fed and seeking and asking questions about Jesus, and you facilitated that. Or 150 pounds, 56 pounds would pay for the welcome booklets that Ruth was waving earlier. Everyone walking into our church, new people, people that are on a journey to find Jesus, they, there you are putting that welcome booklet front and center into their hands. So we give because it's an opportunity to experience joy. Thirdly, giving gives us an opportunity for obedience. Hang on. So when Chuck and I met, he was a student studying at London School of Theology, and uh, he would say he was living like a muppet because he had no visible uh, income coming in whatsoever. And I was working for a local Christian charity. And so when we got married, he was still a student. Money was very, very tight. But during that time, we committed to giving a portion of our income away every month. And then a few years into our marriage, the Lord called us to Scotland to start, imagine, this youth festival. And um, we and this other couple, we had houses to sell. Now, I can't really go into it, but the fact that Chuck and I actually had a house to sell is a miracle in itself. Because when we got married, we couldn't even afford a studio apartment. So, we had a house to sell and so did this other couple. And we sensed the Lord say... I want you to take a portion of that house sale and I want you to put that money into Imagine so you can start um, Imagine Festival as seed money, basically. So fast forward nearly 20 years and at the end of last year, we received a letter from a guy that we had met in the summer and this is what he wrote to us and said, I attended Imagine when I was still going through my issues as a teenager growing up in Glasgow. Gang violence, drugs, drinking. It was that time at Imagine that I recommitted my life to Jesus and decided to become a youth worker, which led me away from Glasgow and to England. That decision saved my life. 
It got me out of all sorts of situations that I needed to leave behind. That for me was the turning point. I wouldn't be here today in Uganda if it wasn't for that day, and I most certainly wouldn't have met my wife. I know it was Jesus, but it was also your obedience to him. The Bible is clear that disciples of Jesus give. And so for us, giving was and is a simple issue of obedience. We made a commitment before God to give back to him not only 10% of um, what was coming in, our first fruits, but even more. Because we are no longer under the law of the old covenant, but instead we are under the grace of the new covenant. And our commitment has been to do that. Every month of every year, no matter what financial pressures come our way, in hardship and in times of plenty, that has been our practice. And actually, we have sought to do the same for the church family as well. As we've sought to give obediently to the Lord as a church, way before Chuck and I even became the leaders of uh, this church, the leaders before us believed that the Lord had called them to set apart at least 10% of the money which came in to give away to things that didn't, didn't directly benefit the church. We became the leaders in 2008, and over the years we sensed the Lord asking us to increase that missions giving. Initially, it went up to 12.5%, and now it's later at the level that it is currently, which is 15%. And all the way through, we've had to trust the Lord. We've had to trust that the Lord would provide everything we need for as a church. And amazingly, since 2008, over the last 16 years, we've been able to give away and invest in things which benefit those outside of the church. So far, a total of 1.5 million pounds to help bless people to help bless those in need, to bless other church projects all over the world and to enable disaster relief. And that act of obedience has had a very significant impact on others. As we seek to be obedient and faithful in our giving, the reality is that we will have more resources to give away. Some people will have more resources to give away than others. But we're all encouraged to give according to what we have, just as the Lord prompts. Friends, it's not about amounts. It's about obedience. So giving gives us an opportunity for obedience. Number four, giving gives us an opportunity to express God's nature. So in Genesis 1 verse 27, it makes it really clear that we have been made in the image of God. Through us, he expresses his nature of generosity. We only have to look around at creation to see what God is like. And in John 3:16, it tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave so that we could have life in him and life everlasting. He endured the cross. He gave us life. And yet I am so often so selfish. I'm thinking about the next thing I want or the next thing I want to buy. And not surprisingly, the church predominantly in this country, it's not actually known for its generosity. But wouldn't it be wonderful 
as image bearers of God to be known to reflect his generosity, generous with our time and our energy, generous with our belongings and generous with our money. Just this Christmas past, we as a church, we were able to make up luxury hampers full of sweet treats and cheese and biscuits and Christmas cake and chocolates and make these up and give them away. We gave them to our open door guests. We gave them to our neighbours here in the Denburn Flats, many of them elderly and living by themselves. And we gave them to young carers. One lady in our Inverurie site, every Christmas she does a toy giveaway. And so over the years, she collects toys and she cleans them up and she um, bundles, makes them all beautiful and parcels them all up. And then her and her team, over Christmas, they give away toys to children that wouldn't receive a Christmas present otherwise. And this year, she gave away 689 toys to individual children across the city and the Shire. Over the years as a church, we've been able to decorate people's houses, tidy gardens. We've run free holiday clubs across the city and shire, literally probably for thousands of children over the years. We've run free cafes for their parents to come to. We've given out bags of hope all across our communities. We've partnered with the council and cleaned and tidied and furnished flats to make them warm and inviting for refugees. Giving is an opportunity to reflect God's generosity. Number five, giving gives us an opportunity to experience God's blessing and protection. So in the Old Testament, when the people of God were under the law, God said through the prophet Malachi, chapter 3, verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. God's saying, if you want to find yourself under my blessing, be faithful in giving. If you want to find yourself under my protection, be faithful in this. I remember one particular giving series, both Chuck and I felt the Lord give us a number to, to give to the church. And it was, a, it was a large number. And we were a bit unsure, like, oh gosh, Lord, how, how is this going to work? But we felt it was the right thing to do. And so we gave. We gave that money. A, a few weeks later, we couldn't believe it but we received a tax rebate for double the amount we'd given away. Through our experiences, we've learned that God was serious when he encouraged his people to be generous with their money, trusting him to provide. It's a really valuable lesson because when finances get tight, our human reaction is often to think, well, the best way to protect ourselves and ensure that we have enough is ultimately to hold on to what we have. And with rising bills and energy and food and petrol and inflation on everything, it could be really tempting to think about reducing what we're giving and hold on to it. It's counterintuitive, but I believe God would encourage us to do the opposite. 
Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 and 8 says, Do not be tight-fisted. Rather, be open-handed. If we were to hold on with tight fists to what we have, it's like God looks around and he's like, well, how can I get in there? How can I bless there? How, how can I do anything there? They're just holding on really tight with a closed fist. Living open-handedly, it's a really powerful image. It means, Lord, what I have is yours. It all comes from you, Lord. And if you want to prompt me, to give some of what I have away, then my hand is open to that and I want to be obedient. Friends, don't be tight-fisted, especially in this season. Don't be tight-fisted. Be open-handed. Over the years, as we've given in a regular and a serious way, we have felt that trusting God to provide has been the safest and the most sensible response to the many promises that God makes to his followers in the Bible. Now, in talking about financial blessing, I don't mean to communicate that it doesn't cost anything, because it certainly does. When we first gave towards spreading life together back in 2012 to enable four new sites across the city and the shire to be started, we went through every single line in our budget. And where possible, we cancelled, we stopped, or we tried to pause as much as we could. We cancelled subscriptions, going out, eating out, takeaways. We cut back just to the very, very basics in order to be able to increase our giving. And then on top of that, we also pledged for three years to give away almost all of our holiday money. And I remember sitting with the kids at the kitchen table and us all agreeing that we wouldn't go on holiday for three years. And each time over the last 16 years, we've come before the church when we've believed that the Lord is calling us into to, to something very significant to allow for growth or strengthening for the church or church planting or buying buildings. Um, and each time we have given to those things. And the reality is we have felt it. We have had to go without things that others have enjoyed. But when we stop to consider the impact of our giving, and we can see the fruit of all the work that the church does, it, it, it doesn't just bless and change lives here in the physical, but as we give, it also changes lives and countless people are in heaven because of it because of the impact of the ministries that we have given into. People who wouldn't be there had we not given that money. And there is such a joy that comes from that, a joy that we can't value. Think about it, what an incredible return on our investment that is. So we can honestly say that our life has not been categorized by financial anxiety even in times when we've hardly had anything at all. So giving gives us an opportunity to experience God's blessing and his protection. And finally, giving gives us an opportunity to create a culture of generosity. You know what we sow, we reap. And what we do as leaders and what anyone 
um, who is carrying leadership in any capacity in this church um, does, whether you believe it or not, it affects the culture of the church. Of course, we don't know who gives and we don't know how much people give. But our hope and our understanding is that for anyone who is carrying leadership in our church, that you are a committed giver. What we did as parents affected our children. Psalm 22 verse 6 says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So when our children were little, they had a giving box, and 10p of every pound would go into that giving box. And we talked to them about giving, giving that felt great when we gave, and also giving that felt uncomfortable because we're making a sacrifice when we give. And when we sat down as a family at the kitchen table and we talked about what we might give up in order to give to the church, it blessed our hearts so much that our kids agreed to make those sacrifices in order to give. And yes, they have missed out on things and experiences that others have, but the three years of holiday money that we pledged And we gave away thinking that we would never have a holiday for those three years. I don't know how the Lord did it. But every single year, we went on holiday. And as we look back, they were the best holidays we've ever had as a family. Our kids learned that you cannot outgive God. That to give is is a blessing. And he will always bless us. Not necessarily financially, or in the way that we would like or we think we should have. But the Lord is never going to shortchange us when we give back to him what he rightly deserves. And so just as we talked to the kids about generosity, so we have taught the church. And over the last 16 years, we have spoken about generosity. And as people have come and caught hold of the vision and served and gave, we started to see what a generous community could, look, could do and what it could look like as we embrace the unchurch, reaching out to those around us, visiting the elderly and the sick and the poor and the prisoners, clearing gardens, decorating homes, litter picking, car washing, welcoming strangers. Every time I hear of someone new who's come to faith, it's such a rush of joy because it's a result of all of our giving. Everything that comes in fuels the investment of the kingdom of God. It pays for all the ministries. It pays for the staff leading people who then enable us all to make a difference. Just this month, in February alone, there's just been a young adults weekend away. There's a worship retreat that's happening this weekend where Andrew Reid, our worship pastor, has gathered all the vineyard churches across Scotland. There's about 70 of them. Young worshippers, older worship leaders, all coming together It's a wonderful thing, and we'll probably see some of it on social media later. There's catalyst men, catalyst women happening, mainly music happening all across the city and shire, newcomers' dinners, prophetic appointments, open doors, lifestyle, pantry vans, food banks, training happening, more folks than ever before in connect groups, going through talking Jesus together and doing life together. Two church buildings that are well on their way to being a permanent presence in the city and also in the shire. 
a coffee house that will soon be opening its doors and welcoming everyone from all walks of life to be part of the story and to share their story and to hear about other story, the most important story that they're invited into. God's love for every kind of person is expressed in this church by our giving. We're able to invest and train and plant seven churches so far with one more going out later on this year. The vision isn't just a dream. It's a reality. We give to the vision of this church and we give to create a culture of generosity. Finally, let me just say this. All of us here, of course, will be, um, have different financial circumstances. You may already be regularly giving, but maybe you realize that as your income has grown, it's been a long time since you've actually updated the amount you give. You may not have a regular income. Maybe you're a student or maybe you're currently out of work. Or it may be that through debt or other circumstances, right now it just feels, oh my goodness, I just don't know how on earth I would be able to give anything. Whether you're already faithfully giving or you're yet to start, I'd love to seriously encourage you to review it, to have a look at it, to come before the Lord and pray about it. And maybe take some action this week if you felt prompted to do so. You'll find all the details on how to do this by scanning the QR codes that are all around the building. Um, Or you can go to our website, which is just there. And the best way that incurs the least amount of bank charges for us is by you setting up a standing order that you arrange directly with your bank. And all the details, if you go to the website, it's all on there on how to do that. Jesus, who can be absolutely trusted, said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. God loves a cheerful giver, and he promises all sorts of blessings for those who take this subject seriously. Giving generously back to God a portion of what he has given us gives us an opportunity to worship, to experience joy, to be obedient, to express God's nature, to experience God's blessing and his protection, and to create a culture of generosity. God designed us to live generously. And when we live life his way, we tap into the abundant life that he promised. Why don't we stand?